Um, I want to go to Psalm 1 because I hardly ever escape that passage without glomming onto it because it's been one of my favorite psalms through the years. Probably memorized it when I was in fifth or sixth grade with Vacation Bible School. Had nothing to do with spirituality. It was competitiveness. Um, knew some of the words. Um, but over the years, it's become precious to me. And uh, so I end up heading there. Um, even in regard to reading, I, I, <laughs> out of the New Testament reading this week in Acts, <laughs> had you been there? No. <laughs> um, in the first four chapters, Peter had quoted the Psalms five times, in Joel chapter 2, once. So, you know, there are times where we're going, yeah, Jesus used fishermen. Yeah, he did. He also used fishermen that knew the Scripture. So, you know, that we can dismiss ourselves and say, well, it's not that important. Quite honestly, I, I couldn't have pulled off the quotes except for the notes. You know, it's like, Psalm 16, Psalm 69, Psalm 109, Psalm 110, Psalm, you know, 118, and I'm just kind of going, well, okay, <laughs> I can go back and look at it, but there is a value to immersing yourself in this and just continuing, and so I just encourage you toward that. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Um, when we're here and we're walking by each other, it's kind of a quick, how you doing, and good to go, right? When we stop and stand and talk together, it's a little more in-depth. When we sit down and chat with each other, it's kind of moving into more significance, right? You know, where you're getting down to business with each other, so to speak. In some ways, he's saying, you know, even just breezing on by and this chat, or in connecting, so to speak, is it's not the best. But when you're standing there kind of engaging in this is part, or when you just sit down and say, I'm a part of this group, he says, there's a danger into that kind of thing. So when we're when we're walking through life and, and we're engaging in arguments that are counter to our belief system, you know, it's one thing to acknowledge it. It's another thing to begin, yeah, you know, that's, that's good. Or, or to say, you know what, I really, I, I buy into this. And so he's just bringing a warning, but he says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So he's going, this is a continual investment of our lives into something, day and night. And what he says, there's a blessed dynamic of life if we'll invest that way. Um, again, out of the book of Acts, you know, when they were pursuing the work of the Holy Spirit, he says they were in one accord in one place and continually there, you know, continually praying unto the Lord. And again, as Kurt had mentioned, um, Peter and John going to the temple when at the hour of prayer, you know, there was a consistency 
in their habit that brought that allowed this opening. You know, when I was walking through these different readings that they had in Genesis, you know, I'm, I'm amazed at the foundations and the beginnings, and I'm all caught up in that. And the Psalms to me is like an, the internal side of life, you know, because the, the psalmist at times pouring out his deepest feelings and thoughts. You know, and at times you're going, man, this is right where I'm at. You hit Matthew and you're going, God really does throw himself into history. I mean, it's just there. When I get to the book of Acts, I, I see, you know, the, the power of it, you know, and what's happening through ordinary people, and I'm just blown away. And sometimes there's this thing of, I want the power, <laughs> you know. I, I want these experiences. I'm not sure I want to make the same investment, but, I, you know, just give me the experience and we'll call it good. But, you know, they, they'd had that crisis moment during the crucifixion time when their faith hadn't held up. And they seemed to have learned something because they were throwing themselves into things that Jesus had tried to pull them into earlier. And so that continual lifestyle of prayer, the, the, the devotion to, to just pursuing God was connected to their lives, and they were reaping the benefits. Um, when I think of, you know, this thing of um, delighting in the law of the Lord, there is something about law that chafes, Right? Um, there's something about rules that even the littlest child goes, I don't want to do that. And even the oldest adult goes, I don't want to do that. There's a tension, so to speak, and, and for us to begin to cherish rather than chafe is something that we have to walk through and, and actually come to a place that says, law is good, Rules benefit? Now, there's, there's tensions. I, I um, first admit that, you know, the Old Testament law to, to many and in Jesus' time, the traditions had taken over it in such a way that it, it had really become perverted. And, and so we have to be careful about, you know, the traditions that we gather around it and the interpretations of the law had gotten into extremes that were unhealthy. You know, when, when uh, our Supreme Court was set up, the idea was we would have the wisest people of the land interpret the law in, in cases that, you know, how do, what should we do here? We have these laws, but how does it apply to this? And, and the court was set up to say, okay, this is how we're going to apply this. Well, oftentimes applications get so twisted and warped that it really confuses and hinders life. One of the things that, uh, that I find even in church life, there are times when I chafe just at the indoors nature of gathering because it really is meant to be lived in and out, 
of the building, right? And if, if it becomes just this turned inward, um, it, it's really a filthy thing and a disgusting thing. Um, I, we can get, you know, we can develop a group around pleasing each other and saying nice things to each other and, you know, making everybody happy and yet completely miss what God is wanting to do. And so we've, we've got to guard our hearts against that always. And our faith has to be taken outdoors, so to speak. Um, this is out of Psalm 19. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, making wise the simple, rejoicing the heart. Uh, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The, the psalmist has tapped into something and he's going, this is good stuff. And I think one of the things that we have to walk through and say, God, help me to understand the goodness of your order and rules and law and commands. Bring me to that place where I'm not chafing and just irritated by a restriction but rather when I'm looking at that saying that's a protection for my life. He goes on to say they're more to be desired than gold or honey, what, you know, whatever is precious or delicious. He says this is more important than that. I want to jump into one other facet of this out of Romans chapter 8, because in the New Testament, there is talk of the, the law of the Spirit. And it's not just a, a gathering of Old Testament rules or code or written statements, but there's a recognition that God's Spirit guides and directs our steps. And so he actually is giving order and uh, direction and structure to the way that we live, if we're willing to embrace it. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So when Paul's looking at the Old Testament law, he says, yeah, it can tell you what to do, but it can't make you do it. You know, it can, it, it can expose what you're not doing, but it doesn't have the power to make or force you to do good. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned death in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So he's making this declaration. He says, when you come to Christ, because of what he has done and the forgiveness that he brings, he says, you have opportunity for the Spirit to be planted into your heart and new life to begin in such a way that you actually have the capability of making right choices. Walking according to the way that God would have you walk. So he's saying there is a transformation available to us that comes by the Spirit of God that allows us to live by the law of the Spirit, so to speak. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, 
But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Powerful, powerful idea. So we embrace this work of God, we embrace His law, or what His Spirit speaks to us in life. The illustration that comes next in Psalm 1 is this. He says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, it is not, and it's, the leaf does not wither, all that he does prospers. The wicked are not so, they're like chaff that the wind drives away. So he says, if your life is anchored in God and drawing nourishment from him, then the fruit and produce of that life is going to be beneficial and awesome. He says, if you aren't anchored in this truth, then your life drifts and basically is garbage. Chaff is all that's left over. Um, in some ways, when, when we look at that, you know, we say, well, you know, that tree doesn't move. It doesn't get to move. No, but it sure flourishes where it's established. And, you know, we live in a day where Truth is kind of, absolute truth is, people, well, how can you know that? Well, you can't except through God who has established all things. But, you know, if you don't embrace the ability to know truth, then it's whatever seems right in the moment. And it is this chaff that blows whichever the way the wind is going. And the psalmist is drawing this illustration and saying, if you're not anchored, and if you don't have a source of nourishment in your life, it says your life is just blown away like junk. And so he lays out that illustration for us. But then, you know, as I was looking at that, I'm going, this isn't a declaration of how to live in church, right? But this is a declaration about the beauty of what God speaks. So when I, when I go back to that, I'm going, okay, this, this last year when there was the solar eclipse, you know, and they're handing out the different glasses or telling you to do this with a telescope and all that, the, the worry was somebody would look at it with their eyes and they'd get this burn, right? You damage yourself. There's a very similar procedure with what's called welder's eye or ultraviolet keratosis. Yeah, I looked it up. Uh, you don't see ultraviolet rays, but they definitely can affect your face. In, in one of the congregations I was in, we had a welder that had, uh, you know, he'd welded for years, but Apparently, he'd spent too many hours one day, and he, he came to church at one point with bandages on his eyes, and his face is blistered, and, and what happened? Well, 
He had gotten welders sunburned. You know, it, he was a Christian man. But there was physical impact by the things he did. So if, if he had violated a natural law, it didn't excuse him because he was a believer. So the challenge becomes is God open up our eyes to see what natural law has been defined by you. You know, so that, you know, we're not, we're not walking in this oblivious way that just says, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm a believer. <laughs> well, a believer has the opportunity of seeking the Lord until insight comes to whatever area of life that they're looking at. It, <laughs> it's like when, when diabetes is rampant in our culture, it's affecting Christian and non-Christian, right? But there's much that can be done to keep from that if you're willing to listen. Not in every case, but, but regularly. Now, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that it's not going to affect you. It's interesting, listen to Ben Balzer when he's going, you know, my goal in his master's program, he's trying to develop healthy soil so they can get healthy plants that'll have better nutrition for us when we eat it. Only Ben. Now, it's a beautiful thing, but it, it's like, why wouldn't God give insights into that? Why wouldn't he open the door to understanding? Why can't each of us call and say, I need to understand how my health is affected by the decisions I'm making. So Lord, open the doors to my understanding. Why wouldn't that be a mark of the law of the Spirit in our lives, guiding and directing us? Believe it or not, I've known Christians that have gone bankrupt. Just because they were Christian didn't mean that they understood finances. You know, and Christians regularly can make pretty greedy choices or foolish short-term choices. But I truly believe that the Spirit of God is willing to speak to our lives and into our hearts and say, this is the way I walk in it. And when we look at things like that, why shouldn't it be a declaration of God's guidance into both how to earn and then to spend? I, I believe that the laws of the Lord are, are established. This law of the Spirit is there to speak into our hearts. This is what needs to happen in this life, in this time. It's regularly, you know, because we have so many students, I have regularly had this conversation of why are you taking out so many loans if you don't know what you're going to major in? Or if your major is not going to lead you to any kind of career that can pay off those loans. 
That is not wisdom, and you can't just blame God and say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, it's, it's all good. Nonsense. Listen to his voice. Is he truly calling you into this, or, or is this just, you know, the chap that's going along with the decisions of the day? Seems like a good idea, let's do it. Had a, um, a beautiful thing this last week. Um, <laughs> some of you knew it, some of you didn't. We sent $1,000 to Malawi to be used for microloans. They were given almost uh, exclusively to pastors' wives to help their families. These were loans of uh, $50 to $100 max. Big amounts. <laughs> All but two of those have been paid off, and, the, and they're making declarations, this has changed our lives drastically. What a beautiful thing. But apparently, God gave them insight how to do something entrepreneurial to change their setting enough so that they're able to pay the loan off and go on their own from there. My personal goal is, you know, I'm, I'm going, well, let's send 4000 now. See what that does. Um, why not? You know, it's, it's one of those things that if you know there's true poverty and you have an opportunity to change it, why not go for it? You know, that where, it's, where you are impacting villages, you know, not just individuals. Because in that setting, that family freed of some of the day-to-day wondering how we're going to eat is given more freedom to share the gospel. And so, you know, but that, again, God is willing to speak wisdom and insight into finances. Um, We acknowledge spiritual battle. I'm just rambling through some things, but that's what I do. (laughs) We acknowledge spiritual battle, but the truth is, it's just as real as the devil. Spiritual battle is as real as the devil. Do you believe the devil's real? Yeah. Well, you are in a spiritual battle whether you've ever chosen to acknowledge that or not. But why wouldn't God give you insights into that battle then? Why wouldn't he want you to be victorious? Why wouldn't he want you to understand what's going on? I mean, who benefits from your lack of understanding and knowledge? It's, it's not God. So, again, that's an area that we have the privilege to ask the Lord, what what is going on? And quite honestly, a lot that's written is junk. And and you have the right to ask God, what I'm reading or what I'm hearing, is this this to be believed or is it just foolishness? And he'll show you. Um, We all need, next subject, we all need relationship wisdom. 
uh, all of us have our twists, so to speak. And, you know, growing up, nobody gets past some wounds and, and fears. And, you know, nobody grows up without that. But you have to work your way past that in the Lord to actually function in health. You know, and so we have to, you know, it's like, <laughs> for me, one of the things in marriage, you know, we've been married a long time. <laughs> 38 years. I think I got that right. I'm still figuring out how to love her well. Now, I may have started in quite a hole, but, you know, God, the scary thing is God gives you insight as to what to do next. I mean, if, if you don't want to know, don't ask. But even when he tells you, then you better do it. You know, that's the, the, the worst of it, right? It, it, although it, it bears good fruit at the moment, it just seems, really? Is that possible? And yet, he wants you to flourish. And so the law of the Spirit is going to speak life to you if you're willing to listen. Same way, some of you with kids right now are going, what are we going to do? This is killing me now. I've got 10 more, 15 more years of this. You might survive. Uh, (laughs) There's, There's wisdom to be had. There is wisdom to be had in the Spirit. God will open your eyes to see with each one. You know, because we tend to go, well, that worked great on that one. Now I got it down. And then the next one comes along and says, nah, I'm not affected by that. You go, that's not fair. Well, yeah, each one has their differences, but God grants, God placed that child with you. And he designed you to have the ability to parent. And he will give you the insight that you need as you call out. Same goes with siblings and friends and community. There's, it's regular that I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, and, and I have to ask. It's astounding to me when things work out. I never would have thunk it. And God's kind of, I imagine he's chuckling. Or he's going, you just don't get it, do you? I I don't know, but I'm grateful when he reveals those things. Even in regard to spiritual gifting, new subject. You know, we, we commit ourselves to to developing all that God has enabled us to do and to use that for his glory. But the discerning between what is actual vision from God and what is our own ego is is very complicated, right? There are a lot of times when when we see something and we might even have a direction, but our interpretation is, boy, that'll make me famous, or that'll make me, you know, people recognize, that'll make me loved. 
And, and that's, that's not the goal in the Lord. But how do we, how do we sort that out? It has to come through the Spirit where he brings understanding. The whole thing of conquering sin and temptation, you know, it's like you you may have grown up with poor family training in a particular area and the regular response has been sinful and those things get pretty hardwired to us except that God is willing to begin to change that circuitry, so to speak. You know, and it, it may be that, it, 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 that he does it overnight. It may be that it takes a while, but he is willing to transform you so that you're not the same person that you were and you're not the same person that your family has been. That there's opportunity for a fullness of life that exceeds the training, so to speak. And even, you know, I want to do one more thing. What about kingdom building? Thy kingdom come, thy will. And we're going, what does it even mean? What, is, what does he want to do big picture? What's the design that he has even for this community or this country? What is this era in the world that we're in right now? What you know, what, what's going to take place before he returns? And, and you, can, you can either blow that off and say, oh, those such things are too grand for me. Or you can begin again to say, God, grant me the insight so that I live my life with this, with this awareness of who I am, where I'm at, and what the circumstances are. Seen with your eyes. And it's available. Well, I'm quite a ways from Psalm 1. Let's go back and finish this short. Two more verses. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So again, there's a, there's a call that's gone out to us. He says, acknowledge the ways of the Lord. Allow his spirit to guide you into his paths. We thank you for your scripture that speaks life. We thank you that we have these seasons of of, uh, new starts, so to speak, or at least times when we look at where we're going, what we're doing, and it's our opportunity to change some direction as needed. Speak life into our hearts that way, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to the work of your Spirit, the law of the Spirit. Amen. When you participate in communion, do you take it as a moment to just say, where am I at? It's it's a good idea. Even in this passage that we read, uh, there's a declaration, a person should examine themselves and just say, okay, we good, so to speak. And uh, in that, it's a, it's a good opportunity to just kind of take our temp, so to speak, and say, okay, Lord. And sometimes he speaks to us and says, I want you to take care of this. 
And then we make those vows saying, okay, I'm going to participate in this, but I promise, <laughs> or however that works. You know, but there are other times too when you might come in and you're going, I feel so guilty. And yet, um, in the Lord, if we're willing to accept his forgiveness, he will wash away whatever that is. And, uh, you know, I, I can tell you, there have been seasons when I'd come in and it's like, oh my, you know. And yet, it is God's grace that forgives us and allows us to be wiped, have that sin wiped away. And he's not opening the door to just come back each time and do that, but it, there are times we desperately need that. And, and he forgives. And so if, if you're here this morning and you need forgiveness, embrace that in the Lord as we participate together. It was his sacrifice that we're trusting in for our salvation. And then we have this joy of, of being brought into a community as a result of that sacrifice. We're one body in him. So This last week I had the privilege of attending the funeral of my own pastor, uh, a man that was 91 years old. Uh, he actually helped this church out at one point for about two years. Um, this church had grown up, blown up, <laughs> had a split. The pastor, a friend of mine, ended up having an affair. It was a mess. But Virgil had come in and helped put it back together. Um, but when I went back, and you know, it was it was good to realize how much he had impacted my life and the effect that he'd had and that place, so to speak. But my memories of it are mainly 40 and 50 years ago. So, you know, all my high school friends are really looking old. <laughs> but um, one of the things that that I saw in that is sometimes it's really good to be from a place, you know, where it, as precious as that place had been to me, um, where God has taken my life has been good. Uh, and I make declaration that uh, His direction of the Spirit, so to speak, has been valuable and I treasure it. And I embrace what he has done and I'm thankful for the life I've lived so to speak where he's guided those steps and uh, I just want to say he is entirely faithful and we can trust him wherever we go so to speak and know his goodness that way so I want to pray for God's blessing on you and just give thanks for his goodness that way your blessing rests on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy that being led by your spirit, the law of your spirit is a good thing. May they listen carefully and understand your ways. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak, enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom, gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen.